The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 162 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good, I'm doing well. And I think we needed a little boost to get us through the summer to get us ready for free agency after the draft. There's just so much information out there that we need some help. And who, else, who do we call for help? It's only a few familiar names, right? Who, who are the top of your list? We only, yeah, we just call, we call Blake. We call Blake J. Harris. We get him in the mix. You know, we need, we need really good neutral takes and then the occasional crazy Knicks take. So we decided to bring Blake back on because the Knicks traded back in the draft, and that's not something they do super often. So we're excited to hear what he has to say. Blake, how are you? I'm excited to be here, but purely for one reason. Uh, you know, I, I love talking to you guys, but I was really just on because I wanted to find out finally who did the Knicks actually draft? <laughs> like all this information is out there, Zan says, but like I cannot find out who are the guys that are going to be on the Knicks in the future. We, we're, we're Hi, all Jones. No. We're all getting to that age, you, you guys older than me, but where like it's totally defensible as like three old white dudes to be like, why can't they just wear the hats of the team that they're going to? Like, yeah, why do we have to go through the charade every year? Why, why, is, that, why is that an old or white, white guy? <laughs> I, just think it's, it's, I just think it's more standard for, for old white people to be labeled as complainers. So I wanted to be stereotypical right off the bat. Last week, we well, let off the I, show. With, I guess, am I remembering it wrong? I remember when Ray Allen was drafted and he was traded and he switched the hats like like on his rookie card you can't do that apparently you probably get fined if you do that now there's probably very stringent rules it's just so dumb right like you were texting us after the draft like the next day being like i don't know who has who's on what team like Cade cunningham's on the pistons after that who knows right well i mean that's this is very white of you i have to admit and meanwhile (laughs) the modern kids they're so sexually fluid they understand like transition so quickly that doesn't phase them phases us and so things some sites have updated things it's nice to know um but yeah it's a weird rule right i, I don't understand it I never... I, I, here, here's an easy fix how about the hat that you're wearing isn't it doesn't have to be the team that you're on it's just the, the hat contractually the hat that you're wearing is your favorite team and or what about like a green green it? cap and then they could just green screen it after the fact <laughs> that's pretty well, good I, well, while I'm here for the Nick takes and interrupting you guys, I'll, I'll, I'd like to share one other thing that I, I had never really considered. But as as Tyler said, you know, I'm older. I'm 38, and I've been a Knicks fan my whole life. And I, and I was telling you guys over text that it occurred to me that never in my entire life have I ever been excited about a Knicks pick. And that's kind of sad because you compare that to, like, the Jets and the Giants or even Yankees prospects. But, like, I've never... I went through all the, the roster and like Charlie Ward is the closest. And that's purely because he was a Heisman Trophy winner. At least the, the Jets and the Giants sometimes pick like one or two overall, but like that just doesn't yes. happen well, that's, for the that's Knicks. That's a part of it. Yeah. The Knicks have not had a top two pick in, in my life. You know, well, they I had Porzingis that so. you weren't that into, RJ Barrett that didn't have a lot of heat by the time he got and By drafted. the way, it wasn't, I wasn't just that into it. Like Porzingis got booed. Like, yeah. The fans there were not that. Well, I think R.J. Barrett's interesting because it's like, you know, obviously in high school, he was considered like better than Zion. And then by the time the draft rolled around, it's just been kind of cool on him. And I think he's actually and he shot pretty well last year. I, I think I don't know how Knicks fans feel about him, but he, he pretty he's promising good. sophomore he's, year. Yeah, he's good. He's like a, I think they realize he'll be a good player. I'll, I'll do you one better here, Blake, about your your Knicks take. So currently on BovadaSportsbook.com, you can look at updated odds for rookie of the year. The Knicks first round pick, Quentin Grimes, he is not on the board. You, you cannot bet on him to win rookie of the year. So that was, you know, 25th pick, Quentin Grimes cannot win rookie of the year. But Miles McBride, who I thought was actually a pretty good pick by them in the second round, he is plus 6,600 to win rookie of the year. So two picks, you can only bet on one of them. And uh, Miles McBride has the worst 
odds of, of any rookie. Now there are I a couple actually, guys. Like hold on, hold on. My, my wife also wants to know who the Knicks got. Honey, we got the field. That's who we got. The field. But you know they, what? That, may, were, am I reading too many tea leaves here? Because it's like you drafted two young kind of quasi-point guards. Um, does that mean that they're going to land a big fish and then you know develop these guys behind Chris Paul? Or does that mean that they're not optimistic about signing a big name point guard? I don't, you know, it, it's interesting. So free agency starts Monday night at midnight, uh, August 3rd. We're recording Monday. So we're not going to speculate a ton about it because okay. by the time you hear this, you know, who knows what gets, what happens between midnight and, you know, whenever this comes out at 10 a.m. the next day or whatever. But, uh, you know, as of our recording, we know that Chris Paul opted out. And uh, I, I guess we will talk about him just specifically before we go back into the draft. I, I don't, I don't imagine that he's going to the Knicks because. No, it doesn't sound like, it sounds like he's staying. He can only sign a four-year deal with Phoenix. Everybody else, it's a three-year deal because of the over 38 rule in the CBA. And so, you know, for the Knicks this year, like, it, it, again, it just seems like another year where they're not really, you know, these were fine picks, right? They traded, they traded back. They got some extra picks. McBride is a young guy who people really like if he can, you know, get a jump, create, you know, some ability to shoot three and like, but it just seems like another year where the Knicks are just like, yeah, you know, we're not going to do a whole lot because there's not a ton out there in free agency. And I just, like I said, it just doesn't appear that Chris Paul is going to be the guy, you know, not for three years. By the way, like Knicks fans, at least ones my age appreciate because we remember living through like, Oh, we're just one Steve Francis. We're just one Eddie Curry away from like a championship team. And we're all like, no, no, we're not. So we like, I, I kind of admire the patience. What's weird is that, you know, you talk about McBride or like last year, they got quickly who you're like, Oh, he, he could really be something. But then I feel like in, in Thibodeau's offense, you know, Thibodeau's uh, maybe doesn't really like the play. The and, and by the way, like this is probably the most excited I've been going into a Knicks offseason just because it feels like the culture has started to shift and there's like some stability, but it, it's just a bummer that, you know, I, I love the draft and, and I've never left the draft being psyched for the Knicks. So why don't you give us your best draft take, Blake, like of this year, of the, you know, in this year's draft, what was your favorite thing that you saw? I'll tell you my least favorite thing first. So I, I think draft grades are the stupidest thing in the world because when I was in school, with Zandrick, you know, the goal was to like get an A, to get a good grade. And so if there was something I could do to get a good grade, you do it. But the Raptors could have drafted Suggs and they would have got the good grade. So like they clearly don't care about getting his grade. The grade is, is so stupid. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say to that point, like one of the reasons I wanted to come on here today is to have it recorded in the annals of time that I think Suggs is going to be the best player in this draft. And I think it's ridiculous that he didn't go number one or at least number two. So now he's, he went fifth, right. To, to the uh, Orlando, Magic. Orlando magic. Um, I like their second pick Franz Wagner as I, I touted him, but so the magic have like all these guards that are like kind of, you know, good athletes, like strong guys and can't shoot at all. So it, it'll be really interesting to see what Jamal Mosley does. And I'm sorry, the magic. It'll be really interesting to see what Jamal Mosley does in Orlando, right? Because now you've got like Suggs, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. Doesn't seem, Zan, like a like a trio of guards that really fit together, you know? No. Well, and there were some reports that Suggs hasn't shot well in workouts for whatever that's worth. So you pair him with Markel Fultz. Can they play together? I think so. They're both big, right? It'll probably be pretty well, good. But the irony is that like... Like all the scouting I heard for Scotty Barnes is like, oh man, he's the best player in the draft. If only he could shoot. That is that is spot on. That is that is exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like when they have the prospects in football, it's like this is a great wide receiver. He just has bad hands. I'm like, well, that's a big part yeah, of the job. No, I agree. <laughs> and there's so many guys that were like, oh, the, you know, just develop a shot, just develop a shot, and it just never develops. It's, it's interesting. I, I think I think there is like a, a a very large portion of this is kind of like a larger point, but I think there's like a large portion of like the scouting community and like the analytics community that one of the biggest like differences is that like the analytics community sees somebody and they look at the stats and like, man, this is really good. Like, let's get him on the court and like, let's improve jump shot. And like the old school eye test coach might be like, look, I'm looking at this jump shot at a la like maybe Michael Carter Williams, right. Who's actually turned into an okay shooter. But like, you look at it and you're like, listen, that this is not like a small thing. Like this is not Ben Simmons. Like, Hey, we'll just fix the jump shot in a year. And I think, you know, Miles McBride was one that was like a very big favorite of the analytics community. Cause it's like, yeah, we'll just turn him into a shooter. And it's like, that, that, that doesn't happen that often. Like we probably don't give Lonzo ball enough credit for becoming right. like an actual. That's one of the shooter. few guys that really like his form looks different. His results look different. <laughs> yeah. If Scotty, I mean, if Scotty Barnes is a 35% three point shooter, there is a very strong chance that he's the best player in this draft, but we're so far away from that. 
he's he's really so, good. I was surprised yeah. to see Toronto take him just because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense next mm. to Siakam. But, like, that's kind of the guy they like, right? Super long, a lot of different skills, one kind of ugly wart in his game. And so, I mean, it makes sense. But that was the first big surprise of the draft, right? I mean, there were some rumblings. No, no, no. The- first big surprise was Cade Cunningham because I assumed that after last year, the way Patrick Williams was rising up the draft board, that as time progressed, he'd just keep rising. So he'd be the first pick because that well, guy thought- is out of control. I thought it was interesting, Blake, you made an interesting point, like about perception and draft grades. Are you are you picking for the grade and the immediate gratification? Because I think it does weigh into a GM's mind. Like I'll give you Kate Cunningham as an example. Like projected number one pick. Everyone presumes he's the number one pick. And there was some report that they were considering other guys. I just yeah, there was report there was reports that he did poorly in like both his in his workout, right? Like I can't right. imagine he interviewed bad. Cade seems like amazing in interviews. No, totally. But, and there's some instances of like, we're old white guys, as you pointed out, but like, you know, Emeka Okafor was supposed to be the number one pick. And then Dwight Howard, like passed him in workouts. It's kind of a risky pick. The Celtics traded away from presumptive number one pick Markel Fultz. So there is chances of that, but I'd ask you this, Tyler, cause you've been around teams. Let's say you're Troy Weaver on Detroit and you think you see Cade Cunningham as the likely number one pick face of the franchise. But you think somebody totally off the board, let's just say James Booknight, who went 11. Let's just say you think he's a little yeah. better. But you know if you took Booknight number one, you get blasted. Yeah, I think – How this, many GMs would actually pull the trigger on This is why I really like this this podcast because occasionally you come up with questions like this that are, that are good, like the hypothetical <laughs> questions that are like legitimately worth discussing. And I think in this year's draft – you, you know. there's kind of this like phenomenon it's happening in a lot of sports where like teams just don't want to trade their future value. Right. But like Detroit very clearly had some good offers for Cade Cunningham. So in this year's draft, I think if they didn't think Cade was like very clearly the number one pick they they could have hidden it and they could have gotten a a good package in return to draft. Well, that's always like the default, like trade down, trade down. It's really not that easy. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not that easy, but at the same time, like, if you want to move off one, there's always going to be somebody that will take that pick off your hands. Now, whether or not they can give you a package back that makes you feel good about it, I don't know. And, you know, we know in the NBA draft, like, trading out of one is, you know, Danny Ainge got it right, which is surprising, but you you really want to be picking first overall, right? Like, we, we there's just years and years and years of evidence that, like, the, the, the best players are coming from, you know, the first pick. Yeah. That's just how it goes. So I, I agree with you in a lot of ways, but I also think that in your specific question, if there is somebody that you like a lot better, I think you can draft that player without having to do it at one. I, I, I will say this. I don't think Troy Weaver, if he, let's say Troy Weaver did think James Booknight was the best player in the draft. I, I don't think he would have drafted him at one. I think he still would have taken Kate Cunningham because, you know, some of the self-preservation and we've talked about it in a lot of different stuff on this show, but like some of the self-preservation stuff is just, it's just natural. Like you don't want to take a guy. Like so if you take early, James Booknight one and he's not good, you get fired. You're fired. Yeah. And you're, ne- and, and not even that you're probably never getting a job again, or it's going to be 10 to 15 years until you like it gets buried and you get another job. And I think that's, you know, if you, t- even if he took Jalen green or, or Evan Mobley, like that, that's not like a killer, you know, like that's a, that's okay. Like they're considered right. pretty close, but you know what I think that team should do? Like Blake, you just said you thought Jalen size was number one or two. And that if you were the GM, it wouldn't have been a surprising pick if you float it early, you know, like they're targeting Jalen Suggs at number one. Like it reminds me of like, you know, two months before the draft, wouldn't Carson Wentz have been a crazy number two pick, but he, you, you float it out into the ether and and then it becomes like, Oh yeah, obvious number two. Like even sticking with the football analogy, like when Mac, when allegedly the 49ers traded up to draft Mac Jones at first, people were like, why would you trade up? You can get him at 15. But I feel like by by draft day it was like, oh, Mac Jones slipped. He's like, the, you know, totally. he could be the yeah, that did happen. People people still thought they were dumb for trading up if it was going to be Mac Jones, but it was like accepted that if he went at three, like, yeah, okay. like but, I do feel like he became the third best quarterback in the draft, a worthy number three pick by the time of draft, just because it was floated out into the ether and like a month right. And Anthony Bennett obviously didn't work out, but in that class, it was so up in the air. Like it was such a surprise that it caught everyone off guard. Like if it had been rumored for weeks, I don't think it would have been that unusual. He had like the resume to be a potential number one job yeah, in, you, in a weak class. 
you kind of need as my alarm keeps going off you you kind of need a situation where like it's a bad front office too you know like you, you need a front office to not be good at like managing expectations and like managing the media for that to happen and that's sort of what happened with cleveland right where like they, they literally had no idea and everybody knew they had no idea so it was almost like they just threw a dart at like one of four guys and what was it 2014 2013 like yeah they just like threw a dart at the wall and i was like okay we're apparently tramp championed by david griffin by the way who yeah. still is has a lot of power in new orleans somehow i don't so what, understand so let's talk before we get like we can talk a little bit more about the draft but obviously there were two very large trades that went on yeah well can i give you my loser speaking of because i think this kind of ties together teams passing on cam thomas before pick 24 they're all losers <laughs> that's, that's what i got they're all losers they but all you get mentioned like you know the perception of the front office i think colors a lot of the reaction yeah so you know i think the Spurs taking Josh Primo at 12, like maybe he'll be okay. I don't really know, but that it would have moved would have been so bashed if they were Cleveland or another team. <laughs> it, it even still got bashed, which is like, a, it was, it's like a rarity. I think people were like, wow, this is really surprising. But I think you're right, Zan, like the tenor of how people talked about it was much different. Like if, if, if it was done by like Sacramento, like it would, they would have just gotten crushed. Nobody would have been like, Oh, it's interesting. Right. They would have been like, this is wrong. But, but don't you to- think that that's directly related to, the quote from Greg Popovich that I criticized and gave you a hard time about Tyler. Dude, Pop is back. They're going to win the gold medal. I feel like people are down on Pop for the first time in a while because of that that quote. Yeah, that's true. The tide is turned against I would wager that he had a lot less to do with this pick than people think. He's in Tokyo. Like That's true. I'm not saying that he had nothing to do with it, but I I, I would venture to guess that Pop, especially with – I mean, Josh Primo's what, like 19 years old? Like, I would imagine that Papa's probably like, yeah, just take whoever you want. Like, but the, the other thing I was going to say, the other kind of loser to me, um, and I love him. I think Sam Presti in Oklahoma City is maybe the best GM. Um, un- unfortunately, they, had, they slid to sixth in the draft in like a four-player draft. You know, that sucks. But couldn't move up despite all these picks you have. End up with Josh Giddy, who I don't really see how he fits with Shea Gildas-Alexander. And it just shows you that like, all your late round one picks are pretty meaningless if it can't get you up two spots or up one spot to get Jalen Suggs or whoever you want. That's Evan not Mobley. what it's supposed to be for. Those are supposed to just be lottery tickets, right? Yeah, like, but yeah. there's there. And I, I like though, honestly, like I, I did think Oklahoma City did some some curious things, and and the one that I wouldn't have done, I, I would not have traded. I know they got more picks because of it, but I wouldn't have traded sixteen to Houston or for. Alperin Sangin, like I would have taken him at, at that point and been like, let's yeah. just figure it out if, if we're OKC. Because like you should be taking lottery tickets then instead of giving somebody else an opportunity. Because I thought Houston was like a very clear winner, in my opinion. Like they, they, they definitely got enough talent. Now what they do with it, I don't have any idea. And we already know. Like, Yeah, I mean, there's a chance to your point, like Jalen Green, number two, Sangin, number 16. According to some models, like those could be like two of the top the, the three two best players. players. And yeah, so like top if, two. if I'm if I'm Sam Presti, like I don't understand why he's trading that pick. Josh Giddy, I think, was totally fine to pick at six, um, especially considering that like the upside of the guys like in between Josh Giddy, like where we thought he was going to go at like 11 or 12. It, it's not the same. Right. And, and so for me in Oklahoma City, I, I like taking high upside guys for them. Right. And so Giddy has a super high basketball IQ. He loves basketball. That's like all he does. Like, again, this is a let's fix his jump shots sort of ordeal. Right. There was like, like a list out there saying he's not good at ball handling. He's not good at shooting. His handle's his a little defense loose. Defense isn't very good. Yeah. He he's got a chance though. Like he, I I think I you know you know how I am. I don't want to bet against guys who have really really high basketball IQs, That's and he true. does have a really high basketball IQ. I will say though. Bovado also agrees with you and Josh Giddy's odds to win rookie of the year are plus 2,500. So they are not super high. He is like not in the top 15 of people. You want to each make Blake start with you, make your rookie of the year pick. That'd be interesting. Well, I have, I have a question first. That's, that maybe sounds like a take, but it's actually a genuine question. So the, the draft Zan and I especially love it. And it's like this big event with all this mystery and this excitement and this drama. Why doesn't the NBA find teams for report for telling Shams or Woj who their picks going to be ahead of time? Like why, like what, why, like, I guess I can't fault them for reporting it, but why would they possibly allow that? I, I was able to like turn it on for only like three minutes because of that. I just watched Woj's Twitter for the, yeah, whole but what's the point? 
Like, then why have the televised event? And I think the televised event is cool. So it, it should be really easy to say, hey, if we find out a team leaked not only that, the time, that's $3 million fine. Not only that, they had it on two channels, right? It was on ABC and ESPN. That was bizarre. Like, yeah, and they, they you know, I, we got to talk but, about But it. what do you think is actually the reason? The, the, obviously, this conversation's happened. And they, they changed it. They, well, remember ESPN, they changed, yeah, they, no, they, they don't changed. want him to do it. Yeah, so he had to change the wording of his tweets. Yeah, don't you remember, like, two years ago, he was, like, yeah, using like, this Even, like, Tyler well, I'm not was... Saying, I'm not saying fault Woj. His job is to report what he knows is facts. Why are people allowed to give how him... Are they gonna prove, how are they going to prove, like, somebody did it? Yeah. It's an anonymous source. Martin, You're a journalist. An investigation. Journalistic shield, Blake. Come on, but it, man. It is like a Grinch move because it's like Tyler just said the, you were watching like we're online or whatever. It's like you got the information from Woods. That's great. Would it have changed your experience at all to know that information two minutes later? No, yeah, no, no, no. no, no. I mean, all all it did is ruin my experience watching the draft to yeah. like get texts from Tyler telling Jur- you journalists routinely when it comes to military operations sit on or do not act on information that they know is true because it will influence or impact, you know, something that's a process. Why, why basically this seems like a very solvable problem. One thing about Woj is that like, I was talking about this with my friends. So obviously the baseball trade deadline happened on Friday. Right. And baseball writers seem to like, actually have like a reasonable banter with each other. The three like big names, like John Heyman, Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal. Whereas like, Schefter and Rappaport like hate each other, right? And Woj and Shams has become this like absolute like disaster scene. And I think Woj was like so pissed that he got scooped on the Russell Westbrook trade right before the draft. I thought he was like literally insufferable on uh, draft night. Like he just was trying to tweet as much information as possible. And I'm telling you, I think it's because he was really upset that like he had the Kings getting like trading for Kuzma or whatever and Shams. Shams beat him to the spot on uh, the Russell Westbrook deal. But Woj is just a, Woj is a Grinch. Like, Xantrick's exactly right. Like, that's the perfect way to describe him. He's just a Grinch. Like, he just is constantly ruining everybody's time by being like, I have all this information. So I, yeah. I would love it if they find. Hey, there's no possible, like, who benefits from that in any way besides Woj. Him, like, yeah, that's him. it. And they don't even, like, it's funny, like, he wasn't even really, he was on the broadcast, right? But he wasn't at, like, one of the main tables, like, right? Because... He was kind of like off to the side, right? They had like ESPN had what? Uh, Reese Davis, Mark, uh, Mike Schmitz. Who's very Perk, good. And, right? And Kendrick Perk, Perk, Perk was terrible. And Billis. Oh, Jay Billis. Yeah. yeah. And then they had Woj. And then ABC had Jalen Rose. I didn't watch that broadcast, but Mike Schmitz. He's good. Very good. He's, he's good. TV. He's yeah. really good. They need to do a better job of like, of having analysts on, I think. Cause like Billis. Like Billis is good and, and like, you know, he, he's his typical guy and it's like, Hey, let's use all these cliches, but like he doesn't grind film anymore. Right. You well, know what it I shows mean? you like, the benefit of like an actual expert where it's like, yeah. you know, like those draft express guys blasted Kevin O'Connor for being a part-time draft analyst, but that's everybody, right? Everyone else on TV. It's like you have Charles Barkley talking about the picks because they don't know like two tournament yeah, games or something. I, I think it's funny. Well, like, I, I, go ahead, Blake. I just want to ask you one more guy, one more question on the subject from before I understand from Woj's perspective why he does it. I don't. I don't think he should. I think there should be a way to stop it. But why do the why do the teams give him the information? How does it actually help them at all? It's like, good when he. It's because it's good when he like carries their water later on down the road when he like leaks stuff about just, him. And, it, but like it's it's basically for like favorable coverage or like it's like right. It's like it's like trading for like. Right. Yeah, like he, I mean, he, there's no... he reported every single pick, so it'd have to be every single team. Right. So that's what he, did he report every single one? I don't know he if he had it. every one of them because you could tell there were a couple that, like, as it got closer to Cam Thomas not getting drafted above twenty three and a half, uh, enjoy enjoy my money. I, I imagined him not even have sources, like sitting in the draft with like binoculars, like peering at the card and then like tweeting <laughs> it. Be, so let's let's do this. I know you wanted to do. Uh, I'll give you a quick. You, but what you about guys like, of the year? Let's no, hold on. You guys like winners and losers, right? Let me give you a quick. Okay. I thought Houston was like a, a very definite winner. Um, I just thought they they infused more talent than their organization. Like I thought Josh Christopher was a really good pick for them. The other team that I actually thought was like a winner, I, I thought Orlando was a winner for sure. I think Suggs is okay. I, I don't I don't like love Jalen Suggs like Blake does, but I, I really like well, Francis. Watch, watch his football film. I told you Charlie Jeez. Ward was the only Nick I was excited about. I, and I, I also is- think Suggs is good. Suggs can Suggs can play. I also think Golden State was like pretty clearly a winner. And I, I'll say that like 
Kaminga is not on the same timeline as everyone else, but like Moses Moody got his name right on the first try. Take that Kendrick Perkins. I, I think that he's like definitely ready to play in a role that, you know, I don't know what you're going to get from Clay Thompson. And, and although I don't love Moses Moody, like him playing on a good team with a lot of space, I think it's going to be a very good pick for them. And so with Kaminga and Wiseman, like you, you now have some, they, they still have tradable assets, right? Like, could you not package Kaminga, Wiseman and something for Brad Beal? I, I don't know if you could, but I'm just saying, like, I think yeah. Golden State's covered if they want to play the season out with, with this group of guys and Steph Curry and they think Clay's going to be fine, I think they're, they're going to be pretty good. And if they don't want to do it and they want to try to upend it right before the season starts, they now have more assets, you know, because Kaminga's a, a big-time uh, lotto pick. So, Yeah, but I would recommend if they wanted to do that, like do it now because yeah. we see it every year. We get so excited about these picks, and then two years later we're underwhelmed. And no yeah. one really wants James Weissman. Anymore. And, and that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I think it's got to be this year, right? Like, I think it just has yeah. to be. And, and then I will say, like, I, I definitely thought I, – I, I liked what Charlotte did. Like, I thought book night falling to them was, yeah. like, pretty lucky. But then, like, trading back in for Kai Jones is just, like – it's such a Hornets thing to do to, like, mortgage another future pick for a team that's going to be, like, in the middle of the lottery again. And I, I just didn't really like that. I liked Trey Murphy to New Orleans, but who the hell knows what New Orleans is going to do, right? So – you know, I, I, I'm not sure. And then I liked Cam Thomas to to, to Brooklyn. That yeah. was that was that good. Was it was just a little late. But all right, so rookie of the year. Uh, I'll give you quick favorites, and then if you guys want to go off the board, you're welcome to. Cade plus two fifty, Jalen Green plus four fifty, Evan Mobley plus five fifty, Suggs plus eight hundred, Scotty Barnes plus eight hundred, Book Knight plus fifteen, and then Davion Mitchell plus fifteen. So those are your your top seven on Bovada as of this recording. So I don't know, Blake. You want to go first, or, or Zan? You want to go first? Okay. Surely you've got Zan, an, you've got Zan. some analytical I'll go model. First because no, no, I don't. Because I uh, <laughs> I don't have an interesting pick. I I like Jalen Green. I like Evan Mobley. I like all these guys, but it just seems like Cade Cunningham such an easy lane to be the man in Detroit. Like they were running offense through Jeremy Grant, who I got a little less efficient as the season went on. I think he has the opportunity to come in right away and be like a twenty five and five guy or whatever. Well, I'm not, tw- I don't oh, tw- yeah, 20 points, five assists, five rebounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I don't see that with Evan Mobley, you know, or Jalen green, maybe, but um, I think he just has the best opportunity. That's why yeah. I would take two fifty. I mean, it's not Plus really an exciting is, uh, bet, but yeah, it's okay. What do you think Blake? Or do you want me to go first? You, you go first. Okay. Um, I think I will go different than Zandrick, but I do think his logic is entirely correct. And I think that Kate's going to get the most opportunities. He's also the closest, in my opinion, of the guys that got drafted early. He's the closest to be able to put up like rookie of the year stats. But I, I do think sneaky value, Chris Duarte plus 3,500. This is a draft where like there are a lot of like guys potentially that could be pretty good. And, and maybe we could get ourselves into like a little bit of a Malcolm Brogdon situation where he can average like, you know, 12 and four right away and on a team that's maybe pretty good. And he, he sneaks some votes in, but like, if I was betting my own money, I would probably bet for, I would bet on Cade, but I, I like book Knight at plus 1500. And then I also like Duarte at plus 3,500. Cause I think those guys have a chance to be like actual contributors on playoff teams. Whereas I don't know that about, you know, Jalen green or Evan Mobley right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that Dan made a pretty compelling case for why, Cade has talent plus the opportunity. He's probably the probably the wisest bet. I you know my heart is with Suggs. Um, I think he's definitely going to have a chance. He's definitely going to have a chance. Yeah, because I think he'll. I mean, I, I this is probably not a good comp, but in my head, I see. I he reminds me of Chris Paul, or he reminds me of how I felt when I watched Chris Paul. When I was just like, wow, this guy is going to be really successful. And, and, and I haven't felt that way about many guards. You know, do, you guys, do you guys feel that way? Like, okay, like, Zan, your, your ultimate, like, hey, he's going to be good. Like, he has it. Like, you've talked about Josh Jackson before. But, like, how many times do you guys <laughs> think that you've watched a guy and you're like, you can't really put your finger on, like, what he does great in college or in high school, whatever. But, like, you, you've watched him. You're just like, he has it. Like, how many times do you think that's no, happened? No, I, I don't really think that anymore. Doesn't like, happen. I've been burned. But I will say this. Like, watching, like, Kate Cunningham interviewed, I'm like, I would bet on the yeah maturity i honestly feel like this year's top five all are kind of like that like like jalen green has a very like magnetic personality mobley's a really good kid suggs is a great interview scotty barnes is like a fantastic culture guy like i wouldn't want to bet against any of those five guys to be honest i, I think they're all really good kids and you feel that's different than most drafts i definitely feel it? like we we randomly get like a 
you know, you get a guy, you get a Bo Callahan in there where like somebody doesn't go to his birthday party or something. Like you, you get that every now and again. These, I feel like that was very like 2000s, right? Like where all the, like, the top prospects were just like, I I don't, I would not bet my money on this guy. One, like, <laughs> let me give you a quick Jalen Green story before we talk about Russell Westbrook, because we can only talk about how he can't shoot for so long. But Jalen Green, he, he went to like a, I don't remember where he was from, but he's from somewhere in California and went to like a, a San Joaquin Memorial High School in California. That's off the top of my head. That's pretty good. Transfers to prolific prep, right? Basketball season of prolific prep ends. But like throughout the season, he was road tripping back and forth between prolific prep, which I think is in Napa, to like San Joaquin to watch his high school basketball team play and like cheer them on. And then when the prolific prep season was over, he was already like going to the G League, had already, you know, signed his contract and everything he decided to de-enroll from prolific prep and go back to his high school so he could graduate like with his friends and like his high school class. And I don't know why, like that made me feel like very good about Jalen Green that like he he just like cares about the people that he's been around for a long time. And I you know the don't other thing like I, I'm reading too much into this, but I was watching like a behind the scenes of Jalen Suggs and he's really good friends with Paige Buckers or whatever her name is, the UConn star. And he's dating some other good basketball player lady um, it's interesting to me, but then he's like, he's also good friends with Jalen green and he's like, they call like their little click, like the unicorn family or something. A unicorn that's, family. that's kind of annoying. That's, that's their group chat though. Probably that's the right. It's annoying, chat. but they're like the guy who's saying like, Oh yeah, Jalen green's like the head of it. You know, I'm like, Oh, you, if you're like the head of like the superstar click, that, that shows you some sort of swagger. Right. And again, he, he yeah, might, right. no way. Cause that uh, Bill, Bill Simmons always used to cite that example of like, Right. You know, Mark if you get in the car with the guy, who do you throw the car keys to? And everyone, like, Mark Sanchez was the ultimate alpha. And like, Dude, but Mark on. Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, like, didn't like football, though. That's the problem. Like, Mark Sanchez could still be the ultimate alpha, and football is just not right for him. Right. But, but this you was know, like, like, I got burned by that, too. Like, speaking of Chris Paul, you mentioned, like, watching Darren Williams, I'm like, I think Dude, he was really good. He was really good, though. I thought he was better than Chris Paul. He was, like, bigger and tougher. And he like, also, he like, a little X Factor. He also, like, he made the finals. He beat the crap out of Chris Paul, like for the first like five years in the NBA, like every single time they played against each other, Darren Williams was better than him, but it was just like, he just didn't have like, but I, I'm looking at the stats, like the stats would have been so obvious. I want to ask you guys this trivia question. Chris Paul played two years at Wake Forest. What do you think he shot from three in college over both years combined? I don't know. I'm going to guess 40 something percent. Blake, do you have an answer? Uh, I would just guess like, 33%. Like yeah, you either go high or low, right? But neither of you guys went high enough. 47%. How many threes wow. did he how many threes did he take? Three a game. And then, That's and then two steals a game. Pretty. I mean, his stats are unbelievable. Yeah, why doubt the guy? It's just well, that, that I mean, he like, went fourth overall. No, right? I know. Like, I don't know why I doubted the guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, Darren Williams was really was, good. I just feel like Suggs affects games in a similar way. And I and, I, and, I, and I, I'll carry it this week. I, I'm often wrong, but but there are but right. there's like, but there's been few times in my life when I watched a player and I was like, he has it to your question. Tyler. Jimmer there's not that many times. Well, I think like, the, no, the, I probably just really like Jimmer, but, but, but think I about wasn't it, like, like, oh, he's going to be Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs also has like, you know, he has like the bank shot in the NCAA tournament. Like he has like moments, right? Like he, it. it is yeah. part of it where like you, you just see that stuff happen. I think honestly, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people like not me personally, I, I never said this, so I don't want to lead people on like I did but like I think a lot of people felt a lot like that about Steph Curry because like he had a bunch of different moments in college where like you know as a freshman he's like keeping him in the game against Maryland and then obviously they have that run when he's a sophomore and I think there were a lot of people that were like this guy just finds a way to win you know what I mean just finds a way to get it done and I I think that that also it's not even just like that's proof of a guy being able to rise in the moment but like I don't know on some level we're all insecure and confidence matters and like knowing in the back of your mind like yeah I do have that iconic shot like I like I'm not a fraud. Like, I feel like that stuff actually helps build confidence. In the yeah, he, like, he and Cade both got the like gamer as like, an, as I think Cade had like clutch gene as like one of his like qualities. I was disappointed in Mike Schmitz for that one. Cause you guys know how I feel about clutch, but like they said that about Cade and he does, he wants to take big shots and Jalen Suggs is the same way. Like he wants to impact games and like huge moments. And I, I do think like, you know, obviously I, I try to say that nothing is, uh, mental but it, but there are parts of the game that are very mental so i think for those guys like they're they're very mature they're very hard workers like well, it almost feels like like the clutch charisma star factor 
Like you'd almost want it with your top five pick, but I would not want it with my 20th. Yeah, that's a good point. What if your guy's Robert Ory? You want it that way. Right? corollary. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. It's like you do not want the, the other guy doing that. That might much. be uh so so that's actually why, like I've seen a couple people argue that the Rockets weren't winners because now they're gonna have in the backcourt, it's gonna be Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and Josh Christopher, and all three of those guys. They're like, yeah, I've got the clutch gene. Like, give me the ball. I'm gonna, I'm gonna score. So it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what happens in Houston. Wait, but I, I, I actually wanna, thought, I just, uh, sorry, sorry, no, I finish up. Go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I just want, I just want to add my, my two other rookie of the year picks. I like Trey Mann on the Thunder. That could um, be very good. I think he's a great shooter, and also I just, I just remember because, like, you know, I, uh, I'm a fan of Poku. I inherited that from Tyler, and then <laughs> put it into my basketball card collection. But like. Like I would watch the box cars, box scores, and like anyone who wanted to step up and, you know, like Dort was scoring like forty points sometimes. Like I feel like like the opportunity's there. They don't have other people who are taking the ball. And then I also I think Cam Thomas is a sneaky outside pick on the Nets for just purely opportunity. I think there's a good chance he'll be their number one option for a lot of the season because I'm sure that something bad's going to happen to Irving, Harden, and Durant. Or he might just be their number one option on yeah, that reserve. Man, could they could they've used him this playoffs, right? I yeah, mean, that's for sure. So, all right. So, Cam Thomas plus five thousand on Bavada, Trey Man plus four thousand, and I actually think that the Trey Man pick he was statistically the best pull up jump shooter in college this year, best off the dribble jump shooter in college this year. So, definitely a, something you want. Can I give a deep like pick that I like to? Um, deep. How deep are we going? Give we're me going like deep. We're going in the fifties. Um, Luca Garza. No, because you know Zaire Williams went you know, hyped high school player from California and had a terrible year. still went 10th based on like high school pedigree and tools, I guess. BJ Boston, high school teammate. Yeah. BJ Boston, similar year, bad year, but talented in high school went 51. I'm like, gosh, if you could get that guy 40 picks later, that seems like a really valuable pick. Yeah. I don't know that like Brandon Boston is going to like figure it out. I I don't know why he all of a sudden couldn't shoot uh, last year at Kentucky. And I do wonder if like the Terrence Clark thing is going to, I don't want to like sound like glib about it. Obviously Terrence Clark passing away was really sad, but like Brandon Boston like watched it happen. Like, and, and I don't know if like that's going to affect him moving forward. So I'm a little worried about it, but as far as like, you want to talk about like lottery ticket, like that dude's got like size and length and like skill of like what you'd want to see for an NBA wing. So I, I, he went 51st. Boston didn't end up keeping him though, right? Where, where no, he? he's on the Clippers, which is interesting. Oh, I love it. In LA, oh, man, I love you it. know, they probably saw him in high school. Man, the Clippers is a future starter, maybe. I mean, if you turn, if I got a question for you. Um, you know, because because you've been around with some players, you know, some player development. You said, you know, I, me and Zan care more about the emotional and the mental than you do. But like, when when something like with with like Sharif Cooper, you know, ends up dropping towards the end of the second, you know, mid late second round, I'm sure that you know, publicly he'd be like, oh, I'm going to make all those teams in front of me pay, but. But like for his own like self worth and confidence, does, does that impact him? Like, like yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I, he, he's a super competent kid. I, you know, his his family has been around this for a long time. Uh, his sister's WNBA player. She's married to Dwight Howard, so like they're they're very comfortable in the spotlight. I I think Sharif Cooper is the type of kid to like play with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he's from Atlanta, so going to the Hawks is a really good thing for him. I, I think he, he's close to home. He'll be as comfortable as he can possibly be. I, I was very surprised to see him fall where he did. There, there. Are, I mean, he's the worst defender in the draft. Like, no, no question about it. He's a horrific defender, and obviously, he's not a very good shooter. But in terms, of, I mean, he's probably the best passer in the draft. I mean, he, he's a fantastic passer, like really good creator off the bounce, like gets to the rim, high level finishing package. He's just really small. So I think that, I think that being in Atlanta, being on a team where the expectations for him aren't incredibly high because of how, like if he gets picked 20th to Atlanta, I think it's different, right? Because they're expecting him to contribute right away. Him dropping into the 40s, it's like, hey, this is a developmental pick. I think that'll help him. I, I hope it will at least. You know, if no, you just but I, I really think that Blake's point as well, took, and also ties back to like the Troy Weaver at one scenario where it's like, in his mind, he thinks Book Knight is slightly better than Keith Cunningham but everyone around you is telling you, no, you're wrong. That would sink into your mind. It has yeah. to. Everyone has a little bit of that imposter syndrome on them. So I think yeah, as a player, yeah. if you're like, maybe I'm not an NBA like, don't, don't, guard, don't you, you know? I know we're going with a lot of football analogies, but it's like, Zan, don't you feel like if Jimmy Clausen or Brady Quinn had been drafted like one, like yeah. they were 
point going to be like, I don't know. It would have been a lot better. I, 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 don't I, I agree. Get more I opportunities. Totally but you but still, like, yeah. but you still have, you still have pressure of like having to perform. And if you're just not good enough, then like, don't you? Well, we saw Bo Callahan. I thought crack during that movie too. Like, it rattled him. He, did. he, he was him. he was rattled. He, he went yeah. seven. To see, I would love to see draft day two, which is like four years down the road, and like they make Bo Callahan like a good player, and Kevin Costner's like on the hot seat again because Bo Callahan's like the best quarterback in the NFL. How cool would that movie be? It was oh, close okay. to being a very good movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll write it. All right. Let's let's get to the other like big news. Okay. So. What do we got? You want to talk about that? We don't care about this Memphis trade, right? No, like, you got to Memphis- talk about, I, I will say this. I, I love, I, I would just root for Corey Chris Purdy. He seems like a nice guy. I like Wizards, what Washington's the, doing. In the general. Wizards had a good, the Wizards had a good draft night for sure. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. That's the big story. What is the specifics of the trade? All right. So Wiz trade, Russell Westbrook, and I believe a second round pick to the Los Angeles Lakers for Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and the 22nd overall pick. And then they flipped the 22nd pick, which was Isaiah Jackson, to Indiana for Aaron Holiday and the 31st pick, which they used to draft Isaiah Todd. So a lot of moving parts. Let's talk about the Lakers. That's the most, you know, we, we talk about them all the time. But adding Russell Westbrook is a crazy move, in my opinion. Um, I don't get it i i mean i i get it and i don't i know that sounds stupid but like it it makes sense they'll win a lot of regular season games but if the goal is to win a title guys like i i don't get it they they, they you know we alluded to this earlier like shams and woge were kind of like going back and forth because woge reported that they had a deal for buddy healed around kyle kuzma and that makes way more sense to me from like a playoff roster standpoint than Russell Westbrook does, but Russ is from LA. He's clearly a very good player. So, I mean, I don't know. I I think it makes the Lakers worse in the playoffs personally. And I'm, I'm very surprised that they did it. And and the reason I think it's such a bad move is because they basically used all of their assets to do this. They have nobody under contract except for like Teelan Horton Tucker and Marcus all, and then these three guys. So they have to fill out a roster around a total non-shooter and I just don't know how they're going to do it with no cap space, Zan. So, uh, you know, I don't want to be down on Russ. I think he'll have a fine year, but it just – at some point, you're going to have to make some shots in the playoffs, and he just doesn't do that. And so if he's not able to be the ball-dominant, like, terror on transition that he is when LeBron's in the game, how's it going to work, Zan? Like, how is it you, – you tell me. How's it going to work? Well, I think I, I'm a more of a Westbrook hater, so obviously I'm against the move. I think it says two things. About LeBron, actually. Yes. <laughs> One, it yes. says LeBron doesn't think he can play 80 games in the regular season and 20 Definitely. plus in the playoffs. So, Definitely. like, I'll take 30 games off. Wet Russ, you go crazy like a chicken with your head cut off and, like, get us to 500 in those games I'm taking off. And he will, he will do that, for sure. He's a very good, like, floor. Like, he doesn't necessarily make your ceiling better, but he makes your floor better, for sure. Right. And then the other thing I think it says about LeBron is – they're betting against LeBron's body in that way, betting on LeBron's like political game in the sense that like we're trading a lot of our supporting talent. We feel like LeBron and Rich Paul can bring in better than replacement level talent. Yeah. Like Wayne Ellington's been mentioned. Otto DeMar- Porter's been mentioned. Like DeMar- those are good shooters yeah, that DeMar- can really help. I, I just... If this you is can not auto porter man, on like a minimum deal. Zan, this is not a, this is not like a credible way to build your roster though. Like you you can't just be like all right, now we have three guys. Russell Westbrook makes 40 million dollars, 45 million dollars for two more years. Like the main reason this was great for the Wizards is because they got out from underneath the John Wall contract, right? Like they now they have cap space. The Lakers idea of like building a roster is exactly what you said. We're going to put three big name players together and we are going to beg washed up <laughs> Older players to ring that, chase with us. This is the do you think that like thing. one move they didn't plan ahead? I have to imagine Rob Polinka's like I have move C D and E already lined up. What makes you think that he has moved C D and E already lined up? Yeah, I I wonder the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, you know, he's, he's not a, a bad GM. Ari Gold kind of guy. He he's you know thinking ahead of it. But there's not sure. even like there aren't even like C D and E level moves, right? Like it'd be great if you could re-sign Danny Green. But like, is Danny Green gonna go to the Lakers? He's got a bunch of rings already, right? Is Danny Green gonna take a 
one year, $3 million deal to go to Lakers. If somebody else is going to offer him two for 25. No, I, I don't know. I, the, some of the names that are very intriguing that they've mentioned. I don't know if they're possible. There's not a lot of cap space out there. So it does make some sense for a player to come to the Lakers and, you know, be in the spotlight and then try to cash in next year. But I agree with you in the sense that like big picture, I don't know how this helps them in the finals. Um, it probably doesn't even make them a better team than they were last year. Well, I'll ask Blake this then. Blake, do you think this give me like, did this help their title odds or hurt their title odds? Uh, my, my initial reaction was pretty much spot on with Tyler's, but uh, there is a part of me that's like, all right, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrez Harrell, the 22nd pick, like none of those four things. I'd so much rather have Westbrook than any of those, even if I hate Westbrook. Like, it's not like I gave up anything. So I, I'm really, you're just concerned about the opportunity cost, right? Like, like yeah. oh, it could have been Buddy Heald or. So, uh, you know, I guess it depends on what else they can get. But like, I, 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 a, a big part of me is like, well, they didn't trade much, they didn't give up anything for this. Yeah. Montrez, um, Harold's contract's expiring. Like, Kuzma's starting a three or $39 million extension. And I want to say KCP has this year at like 14 million or 13 million. And then, Next year's two million guaranteed, but it would be like two for twenty six if you picked up the deal. So you're exactly right in that regard. But they what, don't what have it. This, this is not. I, I, I know the answer. There's an answer to this. It's not like oh, Blake just thought of this great thing. But I, I thought it was like pretty. It was relatively easy and somewhat affordable to get second round picks. Like why wouldn't the Lakers just try to draft three second rounders every year and maybe somebody hits and like at least you have young because that's the thing I don't like. About I mean, that's what everyone's saying. That's what everyone's saying about Teal and Horton Tucker, right? That like somebody's going to sign him to an offer sheet of like four years, 40 million, because we've seen like 10 minutes of like reasonable playing time from him. But like the Lakers can't afford to let him walk. Like if they think he's an NBA player, they have to, they have to go over the cap to sign him. Right. Because they just well, don't. Isn't, have that, isn't that like a, I don't want to say fatal flaw because LeBron obviously has been the most successful player of the millennium, but has he ever liked playing with young players? Has he no, ever wanted I mean, to develop a young player? I guess that's a good point. I mean, he's done it in the past, like when he's had to, when it's been like a young, you know, like, you know, Kyrie was his little brother until it didn't work anymore, right? So I think that the the, the problem with this is just that, like, you, you can't, I, I don't know how to explain this. First of all, I will, I will say this. So the Lakers title, Wait, actually, the Lakers title you, got but... better. They got better, by the way. So oh, they, are, really? they are plus 300 on Bovada to win the NBA title, the Nets are still plus 250. But, like, there's no way that the Lakers title odds should be better than, like, the Suns. Or, like, you. they're, they're definitely worse in a playoff series than those teams. Well, there's a lot of people that think that if AD hadn't gotten hurt. They like still, this, they might have, they, they absolutely might have. Would have, been. should have been higher than, than the Suns or, any, or something like that. Like, I'd so. rather bet on Denver than I would bet on the Lakers to win. And then again, the Lakers will be very active in the buyout market in, the, in this coming season and all that stuff. But like, I, I just, I just don't see it. Like you, you can't like, even if you turn Westbrook into like, like let's say you use Westbrook, like Bruce Brown was used right in, in Brooklyn. Well, that's like, crazy. I, no, but I'm I saying think, like, I'm saying if you turn him into like a screener slash like short roller, he can like make decisions out of that, that Bruce Brown couldn't. Like, even if you do that, you take Anthony Davis out. Like, you want Anthony Davis and LeBron to be involved right. as many actions as possible. And well, you, I mean, like, the West Westbrook's primary talents are, like, defensive rebounding, which doesn't matter at all. And the Lakers were already good. They were already yeah. a good defensive rebounding team. And also, like, you know, playmaking and passing, too. And LeBron is better at that. So, like, what? I, really I don't, don't think I don't that. think on a I don't think on a game-to-game basis LeBron is a, is a better creator of shots than Russell Westbrook is at this point because he but doesn't you think get to LeBron's the... going to let Russell no Westbrook of course not I, I think LeBron is much better at dictating the pace and like game flow than Russ because Russ just plays one you know the guy's got one speed like you know it does Honestly, it doesn't make sense I mean like the the contract thing is the biggest problem because you might think right, this is Westbrook's next... better than Schroeder in that similar role maybe but it costs I, 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 three in, times as hold much. On a second. In, in, a, in a total, in just like a vacuum of players that they could get, like Russell Westbrook was the best player, right? And this is where, this is where we talk about this all the time with LeBron, like evaluating talent is one thing. Evaluating fit is another. Like Russell Westbrook is way better than Buddy Heald, but he's not better for the Lakers than Russell West, then you're, buddy you're forgetting that Russell Westbrook's nickname is white elephant. He just gets traded to the next person. <laughs> yeah, this is the third. I saw, I saw crazy. somebody, I can't remember who said this, like Danny LaRue maybe said this, but this is the third team that's 
gotten a lot better by by trading Russell Westbrook. Not better in the it's short with term. A girl who's like but. looks attractive and she's like, I've been divorced four times. Like, huh? Yeah. Thumbs up. I, can't, can't, I, I kept thinking of this like this memory when I heard about the trade, which was I don't I don't know if you guys played this in gym class when you were younger, but we had this game where it's like there's two platforms that are separated by like let's say 10 feet and there's like a rope that swings in between it. And the goal is to get everyone onto this one platform in the end. And it's like how many people can you get 12 kids to fit on this one platform? And, and, you know, you can get eight kids and then, you know, basically you're going from a bigger platform to a smaller one. And it's like, by, you know, after at some point it's like, wow, we got a lot of people here. It's going to be hard to make room for someone else. And I feel yeah. like with the Lakers, like their salary cap is like, there's already got 20 people on this platform. And then Billy Bob from varsity blues is like on the, on the rope swinging across. <laughs> oh, and it's wow. like, wow, somehow we're able to absorb this cap hit. And then like, again, there's another Billy Bob coming. Like how, how are they able to like, how are yeah. I don't know. I, I will say though, I do. Yeah, like the max salary is a joke. Right? The, these, mm. yeah, Steph. Steph is apparently agreeing to four years, two hundred fifteen million with Golden State. I anxiously await you crushing that one in a couple of years, Zandrick. But I think the thing with Russ, and then we'll talk about the Wizards because they actually they did really well. I, I think the thing with Russ is that like you you pay for <laughs> you're overpaying for effort, right? You're overpaying for how he is in the locker room. You're overpaying for like. He, he does do dirty work, right? But the, the problem is it's hard to tell a guy like him who, who does a lot of things the right way to, like, not shoot, right? And, and, and when he gets, like, when he doesn't shoot, he's worse, which is, it's, like, insane, right? It's, like, law of diminishing returns. Like, when he doesn't shoot, he's, like, not in his game. He's, he's like, not very good. But then when he shoots, like, 25% on 12 threes, it's, like, all right, well, this isn't good either. So you have to find a balance. And, like, maybe LeBron is good enough to find that balance with Russ. And I, I think like, obviously LeBron is okay deferring at, at a certain level. He's we've seen him defer to Anthony Davis in big spots before. And obviously they can, they can play Russ with the second unit and he can kind of prop him up. And, and, and so I think, like I said, it'll be really good in the regular season, but in the playoffs when like Russ is just standing in the corner and no one's guarding him and they're just like checking Anthony Davis on like pick and rolls with LeBron. Like, I just think it's not going to work. And so I'm I'm curious to see what Frank Vogel does because this also probably made him worse defensively. And like oh, yeah, that's been their calling card is how good they've been defensively when Anthony Davis has been healthy. And Russ is very clearly not a good defender anymore. And so it's just, I don't know, guys. It's, I, I it's, think this, it, it's, it, I don't even know if Russ has the capability of like being a good open shooter. Like maybe, what, yeah, we've seen it. He hasn't really done it. Well, it last, it'll be, it'll be last four years. Can I read you his shooting numbers? Last four <sighs> years. No. From from three, thirty percent, twenty nine percent, twenty six percent, thirty one percent. You think even just like by, that's, that's, by the way, that's not even that. That's not even like that's bad. But I feel like his free throw thing is like inexplicable. Right, that's what I was gonna say. So he, free been, throw he used to be a good free throw shooter too. Yeah, that's been, what I'm saying. Like he had been eighty percent for seven years in a row, over eighty percent, and then the last four years, seventy four, sixty six, seventy six, sixty six. What the heck? Yeah, I don't get it. He was, I, I will say though, when he got healthy in DC, like, and again, Washington was like a perfect team for him because they needed him to do so much. Lakers are certainly not that way. Uh, he was he, really, he really good. Average a triple double last year. I mean, and he's going to do the same type of stuff. It'll be interesting to see how much better of a, like an open shooter LeBron is, honestly, because he'll get a lot of spot up jumpers. He, he really will. All right. Let's, let's for, talk about for for all the this. Hey, you, get this <laughs> you get this for you the think this easy- conversation happened. Go ahead, Dan. No, I was no, going to no. say, for all the flaws, it's it's a pretty, uh, you know, you get all of that for the affordable price of $47 million next year. It's crazy. It, honestly, I, I for, for the basketball mind in me is like, this is a disaster. Like, let's not do it. But the like curious part of my mind is like, this is fun. Like, let's see, let's see what happens. Because like, there's so many ranges of outcomes with LeBron. Like he, he frequently surprises me both positively and negatively, but there's like a chance that he just like buries Westbrook in the media, like 10 games into the year or something. And like, I would love to see that, but there's also a chance that like Russ infuses the Lakers with like much more toughness than we've seen them play. Like it's possible that like we see a different level of Anthony Davis and we see this happen with guys that Russ plays with where all of a sudden, like they elevate their games because their motor is like improved. And so I am curious to see if something like that happens. I, I, I thought this trade was stupid when I read it, but I'm genuinely excited to watch it play out for, for the oh, Lakers. That's a good way to put it. 
And I, I know Russ was one of my favorite players. I know because oftentimes on text, Tyler and I are very excited about Russ and him putting up 20, 20, 20 in like the first mean, half. But the numbers I, are crazy. I'm exciting. This is probably the best way. As a fan, I'm pretty psyched to see how this experiment turns out. All right. So Although, Wizards... I will say one more negative thing, though. <laughs> I just realized it. Um, Westbrook plays fast. Last yeah. year, the Wizards first in pace. The year before, Rockets third in pace. LeBron has almost never been a top he 10 team in pace. Does, yeah, he does not. Only, I think, only 2017 in Cleveland. Either 2017 or 2018, they pushed the ball, and he did not like it. They, they did it, but he didn't like it. And so, right. so like, maybe it's an exclusively, like, hey, LeBron's like, I'm taking off 40 games. Like, you, I need Except that rest. he's not going to, right? Because, like, he, I remember after the bubble season when they wanted to the title. Play. Right. Like, he just. Throw, like, it was almost, like, considered, considered common, like, it was a fact that, like, the season after the bubble when they won the championship, LeBron was going to, like, not play that much. Like, even, like, the, the win totals were like, oh, well, it's factors in LeBron's probably going to take off the first six weeks. And he plays every, you know. He does. He, he wants to. He certainly wants yeah. to. Maybe they're just going to flip Russell Westbrook in some, like, under-the-table number of dollars to Portland for Damian Lillard. And I that's was just, thinking that, too, because the can't salaries do, do match. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing they can – there's no way to make it work, though, unless you're going to trade, like, Russ and Anthony Davis. That would be awesome. All right, let's talk about the Wizards real quick. we got, like, five minutes. Wizards, uh, like I said, get off the John Wall deal, uh, open up a ton of cap space. Not not necessarily this year. I think they said $9 million this year, but then $25 million, uh, next year, which was going to be unheard of. You know, but basically in two years they get off John Wall, and uh, that's that's pretty spectacular. They get the twenty second pick, turn it into Isaiah Todd. Uh, definitely a good developmental pick for them. They also get Aaron Holiday, probably more of a backup point guard. So they still do need to decide what they're going to do at point guard. They definitely get worse in the short term, guys. But like, I think for the first time in a while, like you know, I'm not super excited to watch Kyle Kuzma play basketball on a regular basis, but. I think for the first time in a while, you can see a little bit of a future with the Wizards, whether or not they keep Beal or they trade him, because they they finally will have some flexibility that, that, that they have not had the last like three or four years. And so I, I thought they did really well here, even though the, like the sum of the parts seems kind of like a poo-poo platter, if that makes sense. It does seem like a poo-poo platter. No, I, I think you're right. I think it's about flexibility where it's like when John Wall's contract was like dead weight, it seemed like impossible that you could justify keeping Beal because it's like, you're not going to be good anytime soon, but they they're accelerating that. And I think, look, I think it, I, I admire it. It's like, you know, logic says you should trade Beal rebuild, but they're like, let's hold out one more year. They still let's may. If, they still they may. Still still even, I admire, I admire Beal. It sounds more like he's like happy in Washington. And like as a player who's like, oh, I want to be with the team that, draft me like that's what we say we always want i love but, and that, i also but, think like in the back of his mind he's like look i'm gonna be a free agent I, things are set up for me to score an s load of points right now yeah and, i mean he already led the league last year but he could be like a, if second to like in the, the second i tried curryberry i think if they get to like the six seed there's gonna be like beal for mvp time. how are they getting the six seed they don't have a point guard and they have well, 17 no, they might centers. get dinwiddie yeah, that's true. I saw that. Sign and I think if a healthy Dinwiddie, I don't see much that's pretty difference good. between him and Westbrook. No, um, stop it. What? Stop it. Don't <laughs> do that. He, he's good. Well, so the, the way Dinwiddie Zan feels Beal. about Westbrook is how I feel about Pascal Siakam. Honestly, one of, one of the things... I feel that way about Siakam, too. One of the things that's interesting <laughs> with the Wizards, though, is they have this like weird group of like young wings, right? Like They have Denny, they have Rui, now they have Corey Kispert. Like... They all can't play together. So they, maybe they have another move, right? Like maybe there, there's something else they could do. I, I'm like throwing upgrade. this out there. I want this flagged, you know, timestamp this. Yeah. Timestamp. I got it. Most likely, you know, they're not that good. Maybe Beal demands a trade. That's, I mean, totally. If they just hold the fort, Beal has a monster year. They use their cap space. I don't know how Denver is going to let Michael Porter Jr. go, but he's going to be a free agent. He is from Missouri. I think he's he from Washington. Beale. He's from Washington. No, no, he's from Missouri. <laughs> and so is Beal. He went to Missouri. Um, I think they're friends. I made that part up in my head, but I think they're going to target somebody like that and be like, let's add another star if we can. And if not, then hey, okay, let's rebuild and start. Over. He's from Columbia, Missouri, but his dad was an assistant women's coach, right, at University of Missouri. But anyway, I don't know. Michael Porter Jr. doesn't really make him that much better, right? They need. They need one of Rui or Denny to like be a good player. And that's that seems, happening. And it sucks a little bit too because Gafford is pretty good, but he, yeah. he's probably going to be worse 
like it, it, it seems very likely that he'll be worse without Russ. He seems like so much more of just like a pure screen and dive guy. And they don't really have a point guard like that. So, I mean, I would imagine Washington misses the playoffs next year. That, well, Denny. Well, let's end the show the way that we should have, the way, the way that we should do the draft grades, which should, should actually be the year after, which should be like, now we've seen it. Now we can give a grade. I want Tyler, give us a grade on Denny. What happened with Denny? Like he, well, he was a sixth pick or was he the eighth pick? Yeah. Like, but what would he get now? Yeah, what would he get now? What happened there? He had a really bad leg injury. So I, I think not knowing, you know, how he's going to recover from that makes it hard to say what we thought about him in the future. I, I definitely, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, there what wasn't. What does Myers Leonard think of him? There wasn't, there wasn't a ton of exciting, <laughs> there wasn't a ton of exciting moments with Denny because he kind of needs the ball. And like, see, that's another thing about not having Russ that's pretty good is you get a chance to like give some other guys touches that you need you'd like Denny is a secondary ball hunter is probably what you really need him to be. And so I don't know. I'll just say that I wasn't particularly excited with Denny and what I saw last you, year. You didn't really like him as much heading into the draft, but I think it does. No, show I didn't that, like, personally trade your picks. I would have taken Tyrese. Your, I would have taken Halliburton, but I was saying trade your picks. Don't trade your sophomores because the, the shine is worn off and no one wants to trade for Denny right, right. now. Um, but they would have loved to draft him at number six. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right about that. But again, I, number I, like nine. I, he he did fall to number nine. Yeah, they could have taken Halliburton, which is what they definitely should have done. Yeah, who, I think. who took Halliburton in the uh, underdog sports mock draft last year? Did he take him? No, he went. What, he went. I seven, took him to the Knicks. Right? Oh, to yeah, the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. Who did the Knicks draft instead? I don't even know. <laughs> they, drafted, they drafted Obi, Obi Toppin. Toppin. They drafted who could Obi. go? Like, where would Obi Toppin go if if you had to trade him right now? Would he be forty? Like, yeah. yeah, the Knicks are out there. The Knicks are out there, like canvassing, like the, the like. So this will be the last thing we say, and then we'll sign off. But like, the Knicks are out there, and all we hear is like Mark Stein on his Substack is like, "Hey, if Damian Lillard gets traded, he's going to the Knicks." So the Knicks are calling up Neil Olshay, and they're like, "All right, we'll trade you Obi Toppin." And Neil Olshay is like, just clicks and hangs up the phone. Like oh, the, Kevin Knox. Like I heard so many Kevin Knox rumors. Now, do you remember like actually. three years ago, like when the Knicks were like going to get Anthony Davis, right? So I don't know if it's two years ago or three years ago. It's like, yeah, they're going to Kevin Knox in the fourth pick. And it's like, dude, Kevin Knox stinks. This is, he's an NBA player. It doesn't stink. But like all these guys, this summer league tape. I don't know, man. It's, it's not pretty, even good. It's, it's, it's not even, it's like Kevin Knox, Kevin Knox is, is probably one. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't read the Xander Ellison LVP column this year, but like he almost won it two years in a row, basically. Like he well, was, no, he's too young. I don't, I don't give you rookies, but like or young guys like that because he's still very young. But like there, he was one of the worst players. He's, it's been two years in a row. He can't play for Thibs. Like it's so it's like with the Knicks, it's like yeah, unless you're going to trade like R.J. Barrett quickly, you know, Quentin Grimes. My they don't have anything to trade for Damian Lillard. I don't understand this. This is this is again that that's why like the Lakers. I understand a little bit. Like all right, let's go with Westbrook. That's the best player that we can get because like nobody else wants this Kyle Kuzma like doo-doo platter of players like you, you can only like there's just not a better deal out there and so I just think it's it's quite interesting to listen to fan bases talk about how good their players are and Xander is absolutely right if you want to trade for a star do not trade a young player trade a pick because at, at a certain point either the players what, what, what what's the so I, I understand what Zan's saying like there's a depressed value the shines off these guys but does it actually pan out? Like what are the examples of a, of a guy who had a poor rookie season and then like kind of turned it around. It's a good thing. Like, I feel like people talk about Brandon Ingram, but like. RJ Barrett. Like, RJ like, Barrett. I mean, like, I, I mean, there's guys that it, it's very unlikely that you're going to have. I don't a think RJ Barrett, you think RJ Barrett's trade value is higher now than it was a year ago. I feel like it was like, uh, I think it's higher now than it was last year. I think it's lower than when he was the fourth pick. Yeah. yeah I'm I'm looking mean, at the picks last year. I would say the lottery picks last year, the only ones who went up in value, I think are LaMelo Halliburton um, and Halliburton. Anthony, honestly. Anthony Edwards is as bad. Probably, as valuable he was as the it. number one. Pick. Oh, I get yeah. Like he's just saying, He's as valuable. He's as driving off the lot in the car, driving off the lot. Right, sort of exactly. Thing. That's what the value is. Is that it? Nobody else? Well, I mean, uh, Patrick Williams is pretty good. I mean, it was also yeah. a weak Wiseman, class, Wiseman so. is definitely not as good as like the third pick coming off right. injury and stuff. But I think like there are guys that are like guys him. that are worse than their value at the time. Okoro was the fifth pick, killing definitely Hayes worse. Was the seventh. Obi definitely top in eight. Worse. Maybe it's just a bad draft. Jalen Smith, 10. Definitely worse. <laughs> Definitely yeah. worse. Also, by the way, I just want to throw this warning out here now. So we'll talk about free agency next week, but I don't want to hear anybody tell me like how good of a signing, like 
Langston Galloway is or like Bryn Forbes. Like when one of those guys signs with the Lakers and they're like, yeah, they're shooting. They couldn't play in the NBA finals when neither team could make a shot. So they're not going to wow. like, I, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear about it next week, Zan, when like Wayne Ellington. Well, that's what we'll do like next week. Cause we're waiting on free agency to, to soak it all in and then we'll react to it. All right. Uh, Blake, thanks for got, having me on, guys. Blake, anything? what do you have in the tank? What's what yeah, you got for? anything to plug? Can we pre-order anything or no? Nothing yet, I don't think. Just uh, just cranking away on the GameStop documentary. Oh, yeah, Can we that, actually? Uh, if wait, listeners no. could could email you, could they pre-order your Larry David book or no? No, they cannot. But I mean, no. like you directly, maybe you'll like reach out to them. And it's not. That's they, not. They, they can start a friendship for life. But that's not. How, that's not how this works. What do you got in the tank on Reddit, Zandrick? Anything good? I did my ninety-nine cent thing. It was just rushed. Too too much coin. You had on. nine thousand guys on it when you sent it to me too. So hopefully it. Uh, hopefully you were able to pare it down. I will say one one last thing. Uh, I wanted to go over. I can't get my mouse working. LeBron James plus twelve hundred to win the MVP. Anthony Davis plus twenty eight hundred to win MVP. Russell Westbrook plus sixty six hundred to win the MVP on Bovada. Gotta like Anthony Davis's odds if he can stay healthy. Really? Right? I I don't think so. Plus twenty eight hundred. That's pretty good. Okay, I am. That's uh, like your Chris Duarte to win rookie of the year. He's because he averaged twelve points a game. It's I mean that happens. Happen. That that happens. You never know. All right, uh, Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit at Blake J. Harris NYC on Twitter. Email the show, Zander Ellison at gmail.com. And uh, as always, uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, as always, guys, thanks, Blake. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.